Good morning. It's almost like uh, coming home. Um, we have Shelley and uh, we have Diane and we have Ray. Um, are there any Christines? Uh, any Nigels? Uh, any Donners? Because uh, so many people here seem to have our family names, but it's, it's lovely to be here. And we thank God for the opportunity, Pastor Joel. And I'm really looking forward, brother, to a, a long relationship between our mission uh, and this wonderful fellowship here at Dremoyne Baptist Church. Uh, I also feel at home because my dad was a Baptist. And uh, so uh, I grew up with a kind of a Baptist mentality in our, in our home, although we weren't Christians. And um, I was born in England. Uh, I couldn't help that. And uh, it was lovely to, uh, to know that there was a little bit of spirituality in my home, but we were never encouraged to come to church. Anyway, uh, in 1967, I met this glorious, beautiful woman called Diane, and she's over here. And uh, we have been married now for 46 years and six months. Uh, three weeks and five days. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just been wonderful. We have two children, Nigel and Donna. Uh, the two children have got six, uh, three children each. Our daughter has three sons, and our son has three daughters. Um, our eldest grandson recently... Uh, and his wife produced for us uh, a great-granddaughter by the name of April Joy. So uh, we, it's going on, you know, and it's wonderful to see the blessings of God. In 1981, I was working as a coal miner up in Lithgow, and um, uh, a friend of mine from Yorkshire also told me about this bloke by the name of Jesus and how wonderful Jesus was. And uh, so after a period of time, he told me a couple of, actually miracles had happened in his life, but it was like water off a, a duck's back. It just didn't mean anything to me. Anyway, one day I was cutting timber for this bloke and uh, brought the timber back into this shop where he was selling it. And he said, we've been praying for you, Ray. Can we pray with you today? And I said, I thought to myself, this will be okay. There could be a quid in this. So I sat down and they prayed. And the Spirit of God came upon me in great power, friends. It was a total transformation of life for me. It was an amazing experience. The, the joy of the Lord and the, the fire of God burning within my spirit. I guess it still is. Um, Jesus said, I'll, uh, John said, I'll baptize you with water, but there's one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so completely out of the blue, God came into my life. Well, about three months later, uh, through a friend at the coal mine who was a Christian, uh, encouraged me to go to a church and it was a Pentecostal church uh, and I walked in there and there were people giving it this and doing that and I thought, wow, this is just insane. I couldn't handle it in those days. It was too much. Uh, so I walked away from that. Uh, I lasted about 20 minutes and then three months later I was invited back to the same church and the Spirit of the Lord hit me again the same way. I wasn't reading the Bible. I was had nothing to do with Christianity whatsoever. For me, Jesus was a curse word every five minutes. And uh, Jesus came into my life. And from that moment on, in that second meeting, I knew that Jesus was real. But you know what? He messed up my life completely. He made a ruination of my life. I was enjoying life up to that point. And then Jesus came in and he said, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't fight, you can't gamble, you can't do this. You know, Sunday set aside for me. All of those things that you just do. But then Jesus made a difference. So I lost all my mates. I lost all my friends. But then God gave me something so much better, people like you, brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And that is such a rich, joyful blessing that in this life we can gather together on this special day and give Jesus all the glory. Well, there's a very quick overview of my, my life. I now work for, I've done pastoral work. I've done Bible studies at the Commonwealth Bible College, as it was in those days. And today uh, I work with this mission, uh, Bible League International. I have done pastoral work. I was working with Voice of the Martyrs for a season, and now I'm here with Bible League. And I tell you, it is a most wonderful, wonderful ministry. And the message the Lord has laid on my heart today is the fact that to be a Christian is a costly call. A costly call. And as we read, and thank you Diane for that good reading this morning, there are certain requirements to Christian discipleship. It's not an easy road. We are constantly dogged with the challenges of our own personal life. The challenges of the world around us. The demonic challenges, the challenges of family and friends and all of the issues of life. We're challenged by that. But yet Jesus said, it's going to cost you to follow me. In John chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus said that, look, they hated me. And because of me, they will hate you. And the word hate in the Greek is uh, a despising. The world will despise you because of me. So we don't have an easy walk. But what we do have is something this world is desperately in need of. That's love. And so with love we go with our message. Even though they dislike us, despise us, even hate us. Even though that may be true, we have a message of love. And that message of repentance, the greatest love message on earth. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In my early days, I read that passage in Matthew 4.17, and I had to inquire, what does it mean to repent? And the pastor told me, you turn away from everything. Do not even love your wife or your children or your mother or your father before me. All that has to go. But what that does develop in us is a message. Because we have his love within us, we can love these people even deeper and more understandingly more compassionately because we have a holy God he's a holy God and no sin can enter into the kingdom of heaven and so here in this passage that we read here from Luke um, that it tells us very plainly that it's going to cost us to, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and so those things that we have before us uh, the, the first thing I think is that what God is trying to what Jesus is trying to tell us is that the comforts of this world have to be put aside. And we strive so desperately, don't we, to have a nicer home and a bigger insurance and a bigger bank account and all necessary things, but they are not to take the place of Christ. They're important things. We need to live somewhere. We need to eat nice food and dress well. I, I have no problems with that, but that must come very secondary to Christ. And that's the first thing that Jesus teaches us. The second thing here, he makes it plain that to share the gospel is the most important thing that you and I have to do for him. Share the gospel. And I don't agree with those who say, well, you don't have to say anything but just be a Christian. That that's, doesn't work. How are they going to know what the truth is if we don't speak it to them? It's important we share Open our mouths, because out of what's in here will come out. 
and we'll be able to share with the unsaved. As they, Andrew, his name, who shared with me, they took a while, but he finally broke through. And it's a wonderful experience to lead someone to Christ. Is there anyone who can say amen this morning? There's nothing like it. To know that you've been depriving hell of a soul and adding that person into the blessedness of Christ. I was sharing with the children's ministry this week um, just a line of string that you lay on the ground and I asked the kids to walk that line of string. And they, a couple of volunteers and they did and they walked it quite easily. You walk the line of string with your arms wide open and facing to heaven. And as they walked down the string, it was very easy the first time. But then I said, but what if you've been naughty? What if you've done something that's not nice? What if you maybe told a lie or stole something perhaps? And then you lay a book upon their arms. And as the sin continues, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And the children were walking down like this. But you know what was interesting? So the books wouldn't fall, they held on to the books. They held on and they struggled. And as they came back, I said, now let me show you what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. And lifted the books off their arms. And on every occasion the children went, ah. And isn't that so wonderful when we know that through the blood of Christ and the sacrifice of Calvary, Jesus has taken all of our sin and we can come before God and say, ah, release and relief. No more burden of sin. And I tell you, those children prayed a sinner's prayer. And I only the Lord knows those which he called on that moment. But isn't it wonderful to lead people to Jesus, particularly children? That's the second thing. Nothing must come before Christ. The third thing they, is relational. Um, I, I mean, I say publicly, regularly, I love my wife with all my heart. But Christ must come first. Because he's got my entire being. My head, my soul, my heart, everything. I love him with all my heart. And nobody can take that away from me. I was up there in Papua New Guinea one time and these bunch of rascals started. They, they, we were driving, just finished a big meeting and we were driving down this narrow road. It was dark at night and this big tree fell in front of us. And uh, these rascals came out with this homemade gun and they were doing that. And people with big bats and they were trying to smash the windscreen of the car. And they were getting all angry and what have you. But they just couldn't get into us. Thank goodness we locked the car. They couldn't get to us. But you know what? That was one of those times in life when I realized that Jesus was worth dying for. One or two nods. Jesus is worth dying for. And that's what he's asking us to do. Are you willing? Are you prepared? Never mind the material things of this life. Never mind our relationships. Never mind our professional life. Are you willing to die for Christ? If you can say Amen, then you are one of His. Now it's not easy. Of course it's not. But you know what? Today 250 million of our brothers and sisters in the world somewhere are paying a high price to follow Jesus. I don't even have to mention to you Syria, do I? I was in Egypt a few years ago, Brother Shadi. I was in Egypt a few years ago and I saw the horror there of what these people do to Christian women and girls. A whole block of unit flats. The, my brothers took us to the whole block of flats. I, I guess they were or maybe four stories high and in a large block. They had been purpose built 
so that the Muslims would take Christian women and we were told that people had to make a living out of this they get paid so many pounds for each woman and if you get a Christian pastor's wife you've got 30,000 Egyptian pounds for that and that's what they were doing for a living stealing women and then they say they've been converted to Islam they do need our prayers that was in Egypt in North Nigeria it was the same Boko Haram had just been through a village and ransacked the whole place and the people were able to say brothers and sisters I find this astonishing that after such a short period of time some of them not all because some of them were so traumatized but some of them were able to say we forgive and that is why in Romans 12 Jesus uh, rather Paul then says to us give yourselves wholly unequivocally to Christ give yourself see God is not a hobby how many people today that call themselves Christians will be fishing and golfing and sport and doing something around the house any excuse but don't come to worship God that's the first thing we should have in our hearts the Sabbath day set aside to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords the beauty of holiness the joy and the treasure that we have within us oh yes I want to share it with my brothers and sisters I want to tell them about the glory of Christ in my life this week and we could go on and on and on but I have to finish by two o'clock <laughs> Romans 12 1 and 2 my Lord what a glorious passage of scripture it's been one of the keys of my life give yourselves as a living sacrifice Paul using the language of the old covenant where the priest would put the bullock or the goat or the bird or whatever it was was being offered to death and Paul is using that old covenant language to give us a vision of what it means to go to the altar and to die and there you die I'm a slaughterman by trade, a butcher by trade and I've slaughtered many an animal and I've noticed when they're dead they don't stand up I notice when they're dead they can't bite you I notice when a man is dead to sin he doesn't tell lies, have you noticed that? When a man's dead to sin, he does not commit adultery. He does not steal. Have you noticed that? There's a holiness burning within us. The fire of the Holy Ghost is working in our hearts and our lives. Glory to God. Paul says, Give yourselves as a living sacrifice, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercies of God that he's shown to us. And thank God we don't have to approach him as a dead carcass. We are a living being that God has brought life to you are born again by the Holy Spirit. Are you born again? Or are you just a Baptist? I heard an Anglican preacher, a renowned preacher, a couple of weeks ago said these words, and it shocked me, but I think it's true. He said, wouldn't it be wonderful if every Anglican were a Christian? Wouldn't it be wonderful if every Presbyterian were a Christian? Wouldn't it be wonderful if every Pentecostal were a Christian? I haven't mentioned Baptists yet because you're all Christians. <laughs> At least I hope so. Only you and God know that. That's between you and him. 
But Paul says, give yourselves. Every day, mind you, it's not a once-off operation. This, this is every day. Do this. Because the sin that so easily besets us is there to knock us about and to distract us and do the thing that we do. Every day, I have my issues. And you do too. Don't look at me like that. You're all guilty. We all have to face it every single day. And Paul then goes on to say, doesn't he? Don't change yourselves to be like the people of this world. But let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. So here now, Paul is talking about being sanctified. Sanctification. That's the language used here. Be being sanctified every day of your life. Let the word of the Lord inculcate into you. We were at a funeral yesterday afternoon and a sister there whose husband was a farmer, a, a, a wonderful man of God. He was so generous this Lord. And he never really made much money. But every time, as a missionary, every time he shook your hand, he put something in it. And he did. Not a large amount often. But the heart of the man was so profoundly Christian and giving. Name's George. A farmer who worked so very, very hard, just a couple of years older than myself. Still a young man. And George went to his tractor one day, last Friday. And there he did, he sat on his chair, and God took him home. Of course it's a grieve, grievance, it's a sad time for the family, but his wife spent the week in the word of God. And when we spoke to Emily yesterday, you know what? She was sad, she'd lost a life partner. But the joy of Christianity is knowing that all of us will be together one day in paradise. All of us will be together as the family, as the people of Jesus, as those who have given their life to him, wholly and solely, unequivocally, sacrificing everything for him. Glory be to God. So Paul then tells us then, do not conform yourselves to be like this world. And it saddens me to think that so many of the church of Jesus Christ are accepting homosexuality today. It is not right. We do not hate homosexuals. We are not homophobic. I don't fear them at all. We do our best to love them and to lead them to Christ and bring them into a right relationship with a holy God. Well, I better stop now because we've got a short presentation. I'm going well, am I? How am I going, Shelley? Okay. How, how long have I got, Shelley? <laughs> okay, can we turn that over, please? Look, friends, thank you, thank you for. I, I, I trust that that's impacted something that has stirred you. Uh, God has called me to be an encourager, to be one who helps people to Jesus. That's what I do. Um, God has called me to do that, to encourage and to challenge the body of Christ to walk closer to the great King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, well, because of that, you see, I do my ministry. Uh, people said, what, what denomination are you? I said, I don't have one. I, I'm, if anything, I'm a Catholic. Uh, that is universal Christian. Uh, and so that's what I am. I thank God I'm in different churches every single week with a similar message all the time, not from the same passage of scripture, but as God lays upon my heart things to share with a particular body of people. I'll tell you something, if Brother Joel invites me back next year, I want to see this church full. Not one amen. Come on guys. Do we want to see the church full? Do we want to see standing room only? Absolutely. That's the passion of our hearts as Christians, isn't it? Get people saved. Amen. 
Do you know something? Six million Muslims will come to Christ this year. And that's not Christians telling us that. That's an imam who's speaking in New York recently. Joe Rosenberg, give us the testimony. Six million. And it's increasing. There's a great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit throughout the complete world. All over the world, God is working. Irrespective of who's leading it, doesn't matter who's in civil leadership, God is working. And the power of the Spirit, many are being dragged into the kingdom of God. It's estimated something like, uh, according to Gordon Conwell University, something like 80,000 plus people every day are coming to Jesus Christ. That equates to something like 29.2 million people every year. And not one amen. Are you excited about God yet? Praise the Lord, friends. Jesus is at work. 92 million. Who's going to provide Bibles for these people? Well, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that great commission that God has called us to be. Getting people into the kingdom and feeding them this holy word of God. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Psalm 119 verse 130. That's what it says. It's like to me, to everybody else. Now then, here we are. Bible League International. I'll turn this thing on. It might work. Um, firstly, we start our ministry every single day in the office, at our mission office, on, in prayer. On well-worn knees of prayer, Bible League International have been able to testify the truth that 6.2 million people have come to Christ through our ministry in 25 years. We have trained 56,500 church planters. They, in turn, have planted 67,000 churches in the same 25 years. Not one amen. I'm looking for that. Come on, give me some encouragement here this morning, guys. Prayer, you see, without prayer we can do nothing. We began in very humble circumstances. This fellow here, William Chapman, was in hospital in 1936 in the city of Chicago, United States. And William was very sick, really, really ill. He thought he was dying, actually. And a brother from the church came, and here's the power of prayer. You don't have to pray a lot. The man prayed, Lord, heal my brother and use him mightily for your kingdom. But William was a businessman. He was a church attender, but he had no real vision or no real uh, things for God. But the prayer began to burn in his heart. Two years later, 1938, he and his wife purchased 1,000 Bibles and they went around the suburb of Chicago and in the first effort they gave away 52, uh, sorry, 42 Bibles. And the question was, if we were to leave the Bible with you, do you promise to read it? And when they said yes, they handed over the Bible. That began our very humble beginnings of Bible League International, 1938. By 1951, we had given away one million Bibles. Such was the blessing of God. Such is the power of prayer. In 1950, General MacArthur was so upset about the condition of Japan and its spiritual condition, he asked Bible League if we could give them 100,000 Bibles into the, into the Japanese community, and which we did. We achieved that. That became the beginning of the World Home Bible League. Now we are Bible League International, and that was then, but now we have, we're active in 60 countries around the world, and there you can see where our activity lies. Um, here is our area here, the Pacific, um, and all the way down here to India, all the way around here, China, Mongolia, Nepal, all those areas there, that's where we minister, that is our division. As you can see, that's where the bulk of the population of the world is. 
20,000 people a day coming to Christ in China alone. Thank you, sir. I'll, I'll pay you later. Thank you. Um, yeah, microchip, we've gone on with this. Uh, we haven't just uh, done the, the Bible translations and uh, scripture materials resourcing the church. We have these wee microchips. If you just look at your fingernail and see how big these things are. And on there, you have 200 hours of inspirational and education, as you can see for yourselves. Hundreds of children's books, including the ERV. This is our own translation, friends, the easy-to-read version Bible. We've targeted this to 10-year-old children because we want them to understand fully the Word of God. And if they can understand it, surely we can. Uh, since I've been using the ERV Bible myself, I have discovered some great new truths that have come out of it, particularly through the wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and Job, and began to see a, a freshness about the Word of God. And Diane has got some there for you to look at. Uh, please have a look at that at the end of the meeting. Also, we have the help the persecuted brothers and sisters. Um, we have with us our program, it's called a BPC program, Bibles for Persecuted Christians. Uh, we have a little prayer calendar, if the church would be interested in that. Uh, that little prayer calendar goes for 21 days, and there's a wee box that, we, that looks like a Bible, and you put your loose change in there, and at the end of the 21 days, the money's collected, and we send that off to resource the persecuted church somewhere in the world, but particularly in our division. And here, a brother in Uganda suffered an acid attack, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just awful to see what people do to people, isn't it? Uh, the next one is here, our literacy uh, ministry, Firm Foundations. This is a marvellous ministry. I particularly have a soft spot for this because it's helping people to break the poverty cycle. We think it's wonderful that other ministries are providing food and clothing and housing and what have you. But when you still can't read and write, you haven't, you've only done a small thing with that. The bigger thing is, when you learn to read, well, you've broken the poverty cycle. You can now get employment. You can now do things that you couldn't do before because you have an intelligence to be able to read. Signing contracts, for example. Signing your name to something. It's great when you can read. I know we take it for granted because we are so blessed. We are so abundantly blessed, aren't we? But still, millions of people around the world don't read and write. So we have taken on that challenge and throughout South America, uh, even in the United States itself, when the Latinos come across the border, many of them can't read English. So we teach them to read English and we use the Bible to teach them. I wish somebody had taught me to read English by using the Bible. Maybe I would have spent all those years not as an unbeliever, but as a believer. And such is the joy of Christ knowing this book. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God we have it. Thank God we have the book that we can lead us to Christ and lead us to heaven. But this one here, this lady in India, um, the story behind this young lass goes very briefly that she had a terrible life. Her father was an alcoholic. He used to beat up on his mother. He was a nuisance to the children and the neighbors, and she was so embarrassed. But when she got married, she thought life would be different. But sadly, the poor lass, she couldn't have children, and that was a disgrace to her in her community. And so her husband started to slap her around, and her in-laws started to abuse her because she couldn't do, she just couldn't have children. She got so bad friends, she got so, so depressed that she made a decision. She's going to visit her mother for the last time and go drown herself in the lake. She was so low. On her way to see her mother for the last time, she bumped into our Bible League trainer who teaches people to read and write. And he simply stopped her on her way. He said, look, this is happening in the village at such and such a time. 
would you like to come? And he said, uh, she said to him, well, will it help me? He said, well, come and see. So she went to see her mother. She went to the lake and she stood there. And she thanked God she made the decision to go to the village. And she sat there. In due time, she became not only able to read and write, but a follower of Jesus Christ. Her esteem was lifted so wonderfully high. She was used then and respected in the village for all manner of things, so many people who couldn't read and write. So you can see the value that's in that great ministry, and it's a wonderful thing. Uh, Diane has a book there, the prison uh, Bible, and uh, we're using this. Did you know 10.1 million people in jails around the world today, and we have still too many people in our jails here in Australia? Uh, the reality is that something in the area of 60% of everybody in our jails today are, um, are, are second offenders and third time offenders. We are wanting to break that cycle. So we've developed a Bible here, and the prison Bible, and it has got four main headings. Becoming a follower of Christ is the first one. The second one, following Jesus in prison. Uh, I mean, for, for inmates to teach them how to respect authority is a big deal. <laughs> they don't really respect the guards they don't respect the system they're there because they have to be it's a bad attitude so we endeavour to change that attitude and, and that is actually working uh, we prepare them for release even to the point of helping them write a resume uh, now, now they just don't know how to do that so we help them to learn how to write out a resume and to be honest with that resume so that when they go to their employer they can see something has changed in their lives and the big thing that's changed in their lives brothers and sisters is that they have become Christians and the final thing then is following Jesus outside of prison so we encourage them to find a local church and what have you now just last week uh, the office sent out, and now I can't remember the exact figure, but it was a couple of thousand of these Bibles to uh, Western Australia. Uh, we have Bibles, these Bibles going into Parkery Prison. So if anybody involved in prison ministry, let me recommend give it a go. It's a wonderful thing. I've had experience with that to see how these guys can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In America, in one six-month period, 9,000 prisoners became Christians. <laughs> Thank you, Shelley. You get me. You're wonderful. So there you are, friends. Diane has a copy. Now, these Bibles, we sell them for $2,500 each. Uh, but if you want one today, they're $8. So $8. They're, they're worth $2,500, mind you, but they're eight. <laughs> Thank you. Now, the China, what can I tell you? This is an awesome work of God that's happening in that nation. Estimated that somewhere like a million people were Christians in 1950 after the revolution and even today it is thought that somewhere about 130 million people are believers in China. We don't know, do we? But, you know, you get a ballpark figure and that's what's happening. So Bible League have taken on the challenge of ministering to pastors in the country. In the cities in China today, it's relatively easy to get a Bible. No problem. But it, in the country, it's still very, very hard for these brothers to get a Bible. So it's one thing to have a Bible. But what about a Bible study? How are you going to teach your people the Word of God? Well, we developed a study Bible. We are in the development phase of a study Bible plus a, um, um, a, uh, a book. Uh, what do you call those things? A commentary that we have developing to complement the Bible study Bible. So we're developing that right now. If anybody has a spare $440,000, I'd be very happy to take that with me today, if you don't mind. Any hands on that one? So, but look, that's the need. I'll tell you why that's important, because there's 20,000 a day coming to China, to Christ in China. 
What a staggering thing God is doing in that nation. I remember being there one time and ministering to a Bible school, of underground Bible school, mate, it was awesome. The kids there, we began to pray, and every single one of them just bang, fell on their knees and summing their faces with tears. Tears were flowing. We don't see tears in our prayer meetings. We don't have that, please, God, save Jermaine. Jermaine. Please, God, save this community. Tears flowing. And they were serious tears. These weren't crocodile tears. And the prayers were, God, if I have to go to prison to witness for my people, I want to. I'm willing. You see, they're fulfilling Romans 12, 1 and 2. They've learned what it is to follow Jesus. Some of them have already had their parents in prison. And that is why there's so many people coming to Christ in China today. And we're helping them. Part of our mission is to plant the Bible. We don't just give the Bible out. We train them with the Word of God. Somebody said, well, what's the difference between Bible League, Bible Society, Gideons? And somebody said, Bible League, put the Bible to work. We're very careful where we place it and who we place it with. And make sure these people are trained in how to distribute the Word of God with effect. And we have a very robust training system, a robust reporting system, and we will not mess around with anybody that doesn't want to play our game. We don't do that. This is too important. Souls are too important. So this is what we do. So here we are in China. Praise God. You can help people meet Jesus. Today, brothers and sisters, if anybody would be touched of your heart today to help us, uh, we've got a wee program happening here today. Uh, we have this in this brochure you can see there. There's a young lady. We're ministering to Muslims there in the in Muslim and other faith communities, uh, the very poor and the illiterate. We're helping these folk and the persecuted Christians. Inside the brochure, you can see different programs of what we have to meet their needs. Uh, these programs are, if you can help us with $20 a month, that would be just such a blessing. $10 a month, $20 a month, whatever it is, if you can please seriously consider helping that. And I'll show you in a short while how that pans out on a daily basis. Uh, so here we have the, the church now. Uh, the word of God is an entrance into your word, Psalm 130, verse 119. I love the next verse, Psalm 131. My desire to hear your command is so strong that I wait with open mouth, gasping for breath. I hope the word grabs you like that. In the morning, I just can't wait to get to the office so that we can have every day we have prayer and Bible study. It's so rich. We read through the Bible every year. And it means so much, doesn't it? Can you imagine David gasping, God, I want to hear you. Please speak, Lord. I can't wait till I hear you. And the Spirit of God inside makes the word live and becomes wholesome. That was a DVD. We can't get it to play. That was a DVD. We can't get that to play. That second DVD that you're not looking at is, uh, <laughs> is about a brother in, in Africa. His name is Musa. And it's such joy on this man's face. He's in Nigeria. And we trained this guy, and he became so effective that he himself has won 500 Muslims to Christ himself. And they realized, this guy, who he was, so they went and burnt down his church, they burnt down his offices, he was threatened. Some of his pastors that he trained were being shot and killed. But he still goes on with the ministry. And this is what he says. The government can't stop Islamic um, uh, militants. The army aren't stopping them. The only people that can stop these religions are us, the Christians. Please, he says, please, give us the money so we can provide the Bibles to help these, stop these militants. 
we're winning them. We know what to do. He was a Muslim himself that converted to Christ. And he's such a powerful man. Every day of his life, living on the edge. Every day. But yet he's out there. I could tell you many, many more stories about other men I met there who have similar attitudes. And it's a great wake-up call for us. Wake-up call. Francis Chan's got a great message. He calls being comfortable in your lukewarmness. We have to be careful we don't get to that place. It's a very dangerous place to be. So these guys here. So here we have, there's a, a guy here who planted a church. Uh, I, it's a, I'm sorry you can't quite see, but here the guy in the blue shirt is the pastor. Here's a Bible trained man that trained the pastor. And here's the village that he won to Christ. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to see. So if you can consider 10 days, 30 days, or 20 days, whichever, for a dollar a day, could you consider doing that for us, please? And uh, helping people to meet Jesus. This is what your day looks like if you take on those days. You will be helping to plant four Bible, uh, four Bibles every minute. You will be helping uh, to uh, complete seven Bible studies every two minutes. And every 52 days, we'll be helping to plant 15 churches. That is the effect that we're having upon the world of the pagans and the heathens and the Muslims and the Buddhists and Hindus every single day this is happening when you contribute your dollar your dollar day looks like this but here's the big one <laughs> hallelujah can you imagine it's 9 o'clock at night you've had a hectic day you're going to go to bed and you're going to sleep for 6 hours 8 hours whatever and every hour, 30 people of your dollar are coming to meet Jesus. I'm not just making this up. This is actually happening. It's awesome what God is doing. But we need help to help them. Help us to continue with our work. And finally, whatever you do, remember that you're dealing with eternity here. Eternal souls are looking to you to help us. If you can help us, see Ray or Diane, not that Ray or that Diane, but this Ray and that Diane uh, at the table right there, and we'll love to help you. You've also got some little black hats there. Uh, it's called Greater, which is on the hat. And uh, these hats are $15, but the, the, the deal is this. One hat, buying one hat helps us to provide a Bible also. So the motivation behind the selling of the hats is that somebody's going to get a Bible somewhere. Well, brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for being so attentive. Uh, I hope I haven't taken too much time. And uh, we thank you today for the opportunity, particularly Pastor Joel, brother. Um, my, you're doing a great job, my brother, and I want to thank you. Could we now come to prayer, please? Our Holy Father, we still our hearts and we bow ourselves before your throne of grace. We thank you, Father, that you have abundantly blessed us. And as our Jewish brother prayed at the men's breakfast last week, thank you, Father, for the abundance of food that we have. Thank you for the lavishness. Thank you for the comforts of life that we have. Father, we pray today that there will be an area of total commitment in our hearts to you, not looking to the world, not conforming to this evil world in which we live, but looking forward to that great day, Lord, when the whole church would be in resurrection. 
We pray, Lord, that what we contribute today and the rest of the time that we have together, we will be able to meet people in the streets of Jesus. And hopefully they'll say to us, thank you for the dollar that you gave, because that dollar has led me to Christ. Such is the summation, Father, of our giving. And so, Father, today we just thank you for each other. May the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be ours to share over morning tea. May God be glorified in everything we say and do. To Jesus Christ we give all the glory. Amen.